welcome you into episode number four of the best podcast available. Nathan said it. Four is the number. We haven't been canceled yet. They've asked us to keep coming back. We haven't annoyed anybody. It's Gibbs. It's Gribbs. It's Nathan Zagura. It's Nick Shook. And it's time for Mock Draft 1.0 based on the results of the 2019 NFL Combine. One week out from NFL Free Agency. All four of us have put together our own mocks up to through pick number 17. We'll have a little conversation. We'll have a little debate. Before we get into that, if I could, one quick thought from each of you on the 2019 Combine, other than the food being outstanding as it always is, and Zagura overindulging in tacos. <laughs> Gribble. Uh, my first thought is that I have no clearer idea on who the Browns are going to take than I did going into the combine, which I think is different than this time last year. I think we got a better sense of the direction of the the quarterback derby that the Browns were, were having at this time last year, but that's a good thing. I think the Browns have uh, a lot of areas that they can fill with the best player available. I, I get the sense that after re-signing Greg Robinson, I'm, I've strayed away from that possibility of being an offensive tackle, but there's three big spots on the def- three all three phases you can get better uh, on the defense side of the ball, and there's going to be plenty of options at number 17. Zagura. Well, first of all, I didn't overindulge in tacos. I more than carried my weight. Number two, it's great to be back on BPA. It's my second appearance. I had an honor to be on two of the first four episodes. Number three for the Combine, it's just – a totally different experience walking around as a member of the Cleveland Browns organization this year than it was last year or really any other year. Any of year. the times we've you been some, there? Right. You got some looks of admiration from people. They're excited to talk about the Browns, and we don't even have to talk about quarterback at all. And I thought that was very refreshing, and it's fun to do this and go through it and, and really say, all right, we kind of think we know what positions the Browns are going to be targeting, but to say realistically who's going to be there and what they're going to do, impossible. That's fun. It's different when – you have control over the draft completely and have the first pick two years in a row. Yeah, you kind of stole my point a little bit. That's where I was going to go with. But Sorry. Which is, no, it's all fine. It's, it, you went first. Not a scripted show. It's all, it's it is you know? unscripted. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, no, I, it was interesting, I think, for Saturday to become our Friday of uh, of the last few years. So definitely, you know, uh, checking out the defensive linemen and talking to all these different guys and, and figuring out, you know, uh, where this might shake out, which there's it's just so deep there that it – I don't know. I just don't know where we're going to go at this point uh, at number 17. But, yeah, it was weird to not be in the group on Friday standing in front of Kyler Murray's podium, for example, and, and not having to battle or elbow or nudge people to try and get in there and ask a question or two or worry about uh, all the hype. Absolutely. It was, it was nice. It was nice to, to have a, a Saturday where you got up and you just went and covered defensive linemen for the day. I can think of worse ways to spend a weekend. Yeah, I mean, they're not as glamorous, but, you know. Trust me. (laughs) It worked out just fine. Can you also think of better ways to spend a weekend? I love the Combine. I do, too. The Combine's great. Shook and I, we had a good time. You guys missed out on a quality Friday night. We had a good time. That's all. I had a nice drive home. Three days is enough for me. Yeah, three days. Combine. Yeah, need the fourth. All right, so let's get into it. Our mock draft 1.0. So all four of us have put together our mock drafts, picks number one through 17, all the way up to the Browns pick. You may not make trades unless a trade has formally been announced. Let's kick things off with pick number one, the Arizona Cardinals. On the clock and right off the bat, we are divided. Uh, Gribble and Nick Shook with Nick Bosa staying that way. 
Zagur and Gibbs uh, going with the Kyler Murray train that has run off the rails. Uh, I don't know if he's 5'10", if he's 5'8". We don't know what he is these days. I don't know if he's had good interviews or bad, but it looks like uh, the rumors are he could easily go pick number one. But Gribbs and Shook, not buying it, Gribbs. I'm not buying it just yet because I just can't wrap my head around the Cardinals actually doing this. And I, I just think it their whole 2019 hasn't made a lot of sense to me. Starting with the head coaching hire and going with these, so why should it these, now? These three big signings they've already made on players that were too old and slow and got cut by other teams. I guess it makes sense, but it just they just invest. They traded multiple assets to get Josh Rosen, surrounded him with nothing last year. He was bad because they didn't have much around him. So there's and now we're hearing there's not much trade value on him either. So they can't even really trade him and get much for him. Anyways, I, I just. It just seems too logical, and I feel it seems too easy that there's so much smoke out there that he's going to go number one. That just there's a lot of time for that to kind of be reversed. I, I'm I'm of the opinion, which would be smarter, that Arizona's putting out these vibes that they would take him number one to try to drive up a potential trade to get them out of number one. If you really were going to trade him, then what would it matter that you talked him up? Do you know what I mean? Like, if I mean, you- if you're tra- trying to trade the number one pick. Right, but why would when you say, "Hey, we're not taking the quarterback," so it's over? Why does that enhance the value of the number one pick that they say that they want to take Kyler Murray? Because then, because if you you're, really you're, were going to take him, there's nothing somebody could offer you to not take a guy that you think as a quarterback is worth taking one overall. Agreed, but I'm thinking they're trying to entice a team that thinks, "Oh, we can maybe get him," because it's the top five teams. None of them perceivably need quarterbacks. Try to convince a team the only way you're guaranteed to get in this guy is going up to number one. Maybe. I think they're taking him. There's too much talk at the Combine from people that I've talked to and who have said that it's like it's done. Like this is the, It's a done deal. And the one thing that seems so interesting about Arizona was when Kime went up there and said, yeah, Rosen's our quarterback for now. Kime picked him. That was Kime and his staff. It's not like Steve Wilkes was going in there and picking him, which says to me that when they brought in Kingsbury, they said, here are the keys to the castle. You're actually running the show, and there's a new pecking order. And Kime is under Kingsbury, and Kingsbury wants Kyler Murray, and that's what's going to be. Yeah, it's crazy. Kime hasn't. He hasn't. It's not like he just got there though. Like it's not. He's been there. Long he's enough. lucky to still be there. That's true. He's but he's been there long enough to maybe avoid something like this. I mean, yeah, they had a bad year in in Steve Wilkes' first and only year, but I don't know if that validates or you know kind of uh, uh, I guess unseating Steve Kime for the to give the keys to Cliff Kingsbury, who's never coached in the NFL at all. I mean. Uh, yeah, had did he quite have the college resume, by the way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did he have an, an explosive offense in college? Yeah, did he also get fired from his alma mater? Yeah, did he have an offensive coordinator job at USC for a month before he decided to hop to the NFL? Yeah, I just think if they're going to make all these decisions that make you scratch your head and think, well, what if if Steve Kime still has any type of power in making such a pick? I don't think he's going to make that pick. And and you go back to the Rosen point where he w- he wasn't surrounded by anybody really. They had a terrible offensive line. That guy got the stuffing beat out of him as a rookie. Yeah. And and I just don't think it's fair to pull the plug on this guy who you moved up to get last year. So you said a couple of things. Number one, fair. It wasn't fair what they did to Steve Wilkes either. I don't That's think true. anything. The perception. This isn't even about Rosen. I don't think. It's. I think we're trying to apply rational thought to what clearly would be an irrational outcome if they pick Kyler Murray. Right. That's on some level, that's an irrational to go two years in a row, top 10 picks, one that you traded up for, and now you're number one overall. Take a quarterback back to back and move one at a depressed value because let's say maybe they get a third form. That's what the rumors are right now. And typically, whatever the rumored price tag is, it ends up being less than reality. 
That's it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not sane. That's why taking Nick Boza makes tons of sense and seems rational. Right. It just seems that they are running, sprinting down a path of irrationality, just like I would say hiring Kingsbury would seem a little bit on its face irrational. Uh, if they draft him, they got to fix that offensive line because he played behind a great offensive, An NFL line, offensive line at Oklahoma. And there, there's one play that sticks out with me with Kyler Murray. It was against Alabama where he's like trying to move out and maybe go run down the field. And an Alabama player just like drags him to the ground like oh, so yeah. easily. And they, I just wonder like if he's exposed, if he played behind that Josh Rosen offensive line last year, that's his, that's his only season in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. so he can I, run, I mean, that's, right? that's tough. I mean, they got to fix the offensive line. Just when I say this, and I don't know if you feel the same way, I'm not saying that I think Kyler Murray should be the number one pick. I'm not saying I don't even care about Kyler Murray, to be honest. We have Baker Mayfield. That's all I care about. But this is what I think is going to happen, and I will agree with you that if it does happen, I find it to be crazy. It looks like we're only in consensus on one guy in the 17 picks. Yeah, but it's pretty amazing. That's because it's that's 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 how wide number one is. Yeah. Yeah. Get shit. I think the world's like that. Yeah. San Francisco is on the clock with pick number two. Gribble, you had Josh Allen. Zagura, you had Bosa. Nick, you had Keenan Williams, and I had Nick Bosa. So, uh, Gribbs, uh, Josh Allen put on quite the show at the Combine, and pretty, pretty good football player. Yeah, and, I, and I'm of the opinion that if Bosa's still there too, San Francisco, as uh, I think Daniel yeah. Jeremiah tweeted out, did the, do the Stanley Hudson fast walk to the podium. <laughs> That's going to happen if Dick Bosa's available. Josh Allen, I think, makes sense for them. They need pass rush. They've, they've drafted some – why I don't think it'll be Quinn and Williams is because they've drafted a couple of defensive tackles recently. It hasn't worked out. I just don't think they're going to go down that path again. So it, that's why I think it's going to be Josh. And that's a fair reason for why they wouldn't take that position. But I, uh, looking at them from a depth chart standpoint, I think they're stronger on the ends than they are on the interior. And I think that that's why they end up going Quinn and Williams there. But either spot really helps them. No question. Bosa, Allen, Williams, I think at this point, everybody would agree are the three best non-quarterback players in the draft, right? So we're they're going to go... Three in a row for all of us. It's just a matter of what order they go. Not so fast, my friend. Well, for you, yeah, of course. Well, you know, you like to you like to get you I like, like to, to spice s- it up. Yeah, spice it up a little bit. The Jets at pick number three. Uh, Gribble, you have Williams. Zagura with Williams. Shook with Josh Allen. Yours truly with Josh Allen. So basically, what we said. You know, two of the top players in the draft, they're going to go certain ways. If one doesn't take one, the other one's going to take another one. Jets, those with a lot of holes to fill as well. Yeah, and they just lost uh, their leading sack uh, register from last year, which is Henry Anderson. He's going to free agency. And, well, they need a defensive end, so I, I think uh, that's the right pick. And, and, and they're at the top of the list of here of team that has been rumored to move out of this spot. They want to get a lot more picks, a lot more yep. players. There are a lot of pieces away. And I, I wonder, how, how much influence do we think Greg Williams will have on this pick at number three? He's certainly going to be lobbying for a defensive player. He was certainly involved with the, the pick but, of Denzel Ward here, uh, had a role. He's, he's going to have a role in this pick. They gave up so much to go up last year to get Darnold, right? So yeah. it makes sense that they'd want to try to move down and get value. And in this draft, if you know, you're saying Williams or Allen and you move down a few spots, you're still going to get a very good defensive lineman and hopefully pick something else up. That would yeah. probably be the best play for the Jets. I, I don't know, honestly, what the market is to, to move up right now. I mean, it, it would have to be for one of the two quarterbacks and nothing else, but I don't even know I, I don't even know what you'd get. You know, a couple of years ago with the whole Carson Wentz trade, there's no way you're getting that haul to move all the way up here, no. I don't think, in this, in this year's draft. 
if Kyler Murray didn't go number one, okay, he's not going to go number two, and then somebody would want to jump ahead of Oakland. So that's that for them to maximize their value, that's what they need to happen. That's probably the only value in that pick. Yeah. Right there. Good call. On to pick number four. I like this one. Just give the, this to Gribbs. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, Go we'll, we'll turn this over to Gribbs. Gribbs had Kyler Murray, Zagura with Josh Allen, Shook with Montez Sweat, and yours truly with a little Montez Keith Sweat. Sweat. Well, I think they I do like the, the you guys going with Sweat at number four because that's like – Typical, Raider move. typical Raiders. They saw the, oh, yeah. saw the 40 in the combine. They're, they're, they're all in on there. Yeah. I'm going with Kyler Murray here because I'm sticking with the spirit of irrationality. Okay. Raiders have a good quarterback in, in Derek Carr, but they're looking for some some spice. Some some they're they're moving. Gotta they got to they got to they got to get some juice going with that franchise. It doesn't sound like they're going to get Antonio Brown. Maybe that's going to be dated by the time this is published. But you know, I, I think they need something to to jazz up the team. Also, yesterday, Charlie Cashley makes the report about negative re- reviews on on Murray. Kyler Murray yep. in his interviews there. The GM of the Oakland Raiders, a former NFL Network colleague, maybe some spin zone there, drop the value of Kyler Murray, get him to number four. So the thing about that is, and it's, I think it's such an interesting point, right? Arizona doesn't care what Charlie Casterly says. If they're they're in a room with him, they had an interview. If they thought he was hey, fine in there, you want a player, you try anything you can do. Of to course, try to get him to you. I know. I know. I'm just. He did I'm, say he spoke with multiple teams, but yes, I think that clearly it could be something. Who knows? But I mean, when you when you're in a position that the Raiders are, they're like one of like maybe five teams entering the season who don't realistically think they're going to make the playoffs. And I think that's a team that could maybe afford. A little experiment. They've got two extra first-round picks as well. They're trying to juice up this franchise. Derek Carr is, is not doing – as good as he is, I think he's a solid quarterback. Murray adds some spice to that franchise that's not there going into Vegas when in 2020. Supposedly, Gruden's dream was to get Antonio Brown, Le'Veon, and draft Kyler Murray. Oh, my. <laughs> Supposedly, yes. that's, like, that's his dream scenario. I just don't think uh, – maybe they'll get Antonio Brown, maybe not, but – uh, I just I I could see this happening if he's available, but we'll, we'll see if, if it's possible. If this was a franchise that didn't have enough money to pay Khalil Mack, and that was one of the reasons they said they tra- how are they trading for Antonio Brown yeah. and paying Antonio Brown and then paying Le'Veon Bell? I realize you'd get Derek Carr out of there in his dream scenario, but still, how are you doing all this? I don't even know if it's a cap management thing, but just a philosophy thing. You're going to value uh, a 30 year old receiver. And uh, you know a, a running back who has a good amount of mileage on him, even though he's still young, over an, an All-Pro edge rusher who could be a future Hall of Famer. And, oh, and, and a receiver who, by the way, well, went to the Cowboys and immediately helped them turn their <laughs> offense around. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but you guys could see this happening if he's available. At number four. Yes, sure. Oh yeah. yeah, I think anything is on tap for the Raiders. I could see if they take him at number four. I could see Gruden having Kyler Murray, and I could see Gruden being the one that say Johnny Manziel come back to the NFL <laughs> and Johnny backs up Kyler Murray. I'm not even kidding. I also think my we don't go this far, but I think one of their two picks at the end of the dry, end of the first round will be Jeffrey Simmons. I think they're a team that can take a risk yeah, like on a that. player that's not going to play this year yeah. and add him for the future. I think they're playing they're, playing they're playing for Vegas. I also think they'll draft a wide receiver so they can be like, well, we got – we got a, a younger Amari Cooper <laughs> with that pick. All right, we're a fourth of the way through our mock draft. On to pick number five in Tampa Bay. And, uh, Nick, you had Devin White going. Zagura, Andre Dillard. Gribbs, Montez Sweat, 
I had Keenan Williams going at pick number five to Tampa Bay. Uh, Zagura, we'll uh, we'll start with you. Andre Dillard to Tampa Bay. Guy crushed it at the combine in terms of his measurables. Uh, I think Bruce Arians, you want to run his offense, you got to be able to protect the quarterback. They've got Jameis. They've got some talent there, so they'd go on the offensive line. Nick, Devin White. I actually well, I like that pick first, even though they uh, just re-signed their starting left tackle. He yes. could slide him over to the right Put side. Put him on that the right worked, side. Yeah, it worked very well. Uh, Devin White, because Quan Alexander is not going to be there, and they're going to need to replace him there, and he's the best linebacker in the middle in this class, and it's a thin class, and I think they want to so get good. that. they got to go get him now. There is a big, big drop-off from the first oh, yeah. couple. Absolutely. No two. I mean, yep. is, is, it, is it even day two, or do you jump to day three for the linebacking room? You'll probably see someone take a shot late day two. But that tells you how thin it's it really is. It's White and Bush, and they'll probably both go in the first round. They'll both be really good. Yep. Gribbs, a little sweat? Yeah, I mean, he's a really good pass rusher, and he's had a great – basically, he was the player of the Senior Bowl, like the, the main attraction there, did amazing at the Combine. He's a pass rusher. He's going to go high in this draft. Yep. At what point do we differentiate from how well you did at the Combine and how well you did at the Senior Bowl to what is your game tape actually showing us? I think it's game tape one. Maybe Senior Bowl and Combine are, are neck and neck for two. But Sweat, Sweat also produced. I mean, he had yeah. he had a good two years at Mississippi State. The question that's going to come up with him is, why did you get kicked out, kicked out of Michigan State and have you really turned your life around? I mean, that's going to be the, the things that follow him around. All right, on to pick number six. Consensus. And the fact that all four of us came up with one out of 17, Dwayne Haskins. Just that, a no-brainer. It's just it's too easy, which means it's not going to happen. Like it just <laughs> seems kind of, so easy. The one thing that's in every mock. And I'll 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 go out on a limb, and I've been on this this for a while now. If this does happen, the Giants don't deserve this for for what how no. they how they attacked last year's draft. Absolutely not. Because I mean, they they chose to avoid the quarterback position. Now they're going to have a really good one fall into their lap at number six. I mean, it, I I just I just I don't know what the scenario is where they where this doesn't happen. What if Denver? really likes Haskins, and Denver goes from 10 to 3, and that's who the Jets are able to move with. I mean, that's a possibility. I would think that's a possibility. I think that also— Jacksonville. Jacksonville could jump him. Yeah. I think that depends on where the the Murray hype train is at that point. You know, are we still here? Are we still at—he's going to go 1, and if he doesn't go 1, well, he's there at 3, or does he slide at some point? Well, we've seen it happen before in both ways. Yeah. There, there has never been less hype for a player of this stature in the draft. It's mind-blowing. A great quarterback with a big arm that played at Ohio State. Yeah. And, and had monster yards. interviews at the Combine from everything that <laughs> I've been told. He's everything you want. Yeah. And yet. People don't like his numbers when he is under pressure in the pocket are bad. They're not, not good. They're bad. It's and true. He can't move off of his spot and deliver the ball accurately. And as I remember when Todd Munkin came in here on, on CBD and he said the number one play that you run more than any other in your whole playbook is the scramble play. And that is an out-of-structure play, and that's where he struggled a little bit. That's the one knock on him. I still think he's really good. Uh, and I think that if you're the Giants, yeah, that works out pretty well for you. In a normal year, I would say four out of five years, this guy is like the number one pick. We're, talk, we're talking about him in the talks with number one pick. But he's you not even think the, so. He's not even in the yeah, conversation. you would think so. It's odd. It's very interesting. So maybe there's something more to what scouts see in him than – than what the public sees in him. I don't know. Well, it's a weird mix of the Murray buzz and the fact that the top five teams don't in the really draft quarterbacks. are quarterbacks. And the pressure thing. I think the pressure thing really – it stuck out in some of their bigger games this year. Purdue was one. Penn State was another one where if he got pressured, he did kind of lose his accuracy down. Purdue game was one to forget. Yeah. We yeah. were in Tampa the night before the Buccaneers game. <laughs> so we did our best to forget it. Sunshine, <laughs> they'll do that. Some cocktails. Uh, pick number seven, the Jacksonville – Jaguars, and this is where all four of our mocks all go our separate directions. Gribbs, DK Metcalf, 
Zagura, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, Nick Shook, Kyler Murray, and Gibbs, Jawan Taylor. Gribbs, we'll start with you. DK Metcalf, uh, a lot of – actually, three out of the four of us have him going to Buffalo at nine. What made you put him at seven to Jacksonville? I just, just think that – yeah, I just think that he – I'm not the biggest fan of DK Metcalf, honestly, but I think that he's going to be considered the top receiver in this draft. Yep. I think the Jaguars last year didn't really, like, burn a pick, but they, they have a stacked defense, and they drafted another defensive lineman, and he didn't really do all that much. And I think they need offensive help. They probably, even though they had a bad year last year, they probably think that they, if they get their quarterback situation solved, that they believe they're a playoff team. And this is a big area of weakness for them. It's been an area of weakness ever since Allen Robinson got hurt. And Allen Hearns had one great year yeah. it was a, <laughs> so. and then wasn't anymore. I gave him Hawkinson. I think when you, you know, Tom Coughlin would have to like, in my opinion, a hard nosed, great run blocking tight end. They still want to be physical, I would imagine, up front with Leonard Fournette in the backfield. Plus he's a good pass catcher and he a lot of people think he is one of the safest prospects in this draft to be a decade long starter. And I thought for Jacksonville kind of fits that hard nosed mentality and bringing that toughness back to their to their offense. Uh Kyler Murray for me because Jacksonville doesn't have a lot of room to uh, maneuver at the quarterback position. They got a lot still tied up in Blake Bortles, and it's very clear that he is not their quarterback now or ever will be. And he was a large reason, him in the absence of Leonard Fournette, why they weren't good last year and why they struggled offensively. And I think the easiest way you address that is by drafting somebody who you think can play immediately, and no one brings more excitement at that position in this draft than this guy. If everything is true about you know that it's a done deal that Foles is going there, would you still take him anyway? Yeah. As a okay. Yeah, because. Long term, right. how long Probably you keep Foles there? I, now, I don't I, know. He's good. I, I wouldn't kept say him in Philly. I wouldn't quite say that he's a bridge quarterback because I think he's better than that. Right. But long term, right. I, I just don't see it there. Yep. All right. Uh, at pick number eight, the Detroit Lions. I hope that's Will Ferrell. That's who I'd like it to be. <laughs> as soon as I saw this on here, I was hoping for Will. I'd take him eight overall. Clean feel, uh, Ferrell, the defensive end out of Clemson. Uh, Gribble has him. Montez Sweat. Zagura has him. And Nick Shook with Rashawn Gary, as well as yours truly. I think it just says that we all know they need a pass rusher to replace Ziggy Anza. Yeah. And who is it going to be? We'll see how the draft plays out, but I think we're all pretty much in agreement that that's where they go. Yeah. What if Kyler Murray was there at eight? No chance. No. no. Matt Patricia wouldn't have an interest? No. no. He should have an interest of trying to trade the pick then. That would, yeah. uh, that would be the only interest I would have. Kyler Murray won't be there at eight. According to this, he's there at seven. But that's but not he's eight. not eight. That's not eight. <laughs> that's, that's not, not eight. eight. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's like none of us really want to talk too much about this pick because it's like has Matt Patricia like sucked the interest out of that team? Like yes. we just don't. They, they were. Lizzie, I, he's got they a, didn't do much last. He's year. got a new look though, so I feel yeah. like he's ready again. For all of those Belichick disciples, be your own man when you go to your team. I think he is being his own man. He is. I think it's hard. <laughs> for but I don't know what enticing. I don't know what that is. Right. I'm not sure he knows right. what it is. Yeah. Quiet, off-putting at times. That's putting it nicely, mm. to yeah, say the they, least. They were just a lot of meh last year. Yep, a whole lot of meh. Yeah. All right, we move on to pick number nine. Halfway through our Mock Draft 1.0 here, I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble, Nathan Zagura, Nick Shook Hello. with you on our uh, first Mock Draft post-NFL Combine. The Buffalo Bills clearly needing some offensive weapons. Just ask all four of us, three of us with DK Metcalf, Gribble with TJ Hawkinson, the tight end to Buffalo. Gribbs, the thought process. Yeah, I think they would have taken Metcalf if he was here in my mock. He is not, so I'm going with the next best offensive weapon, and that's 
the Iowa tight end. Who it's just I follow college football a decent amount and <laughs> going there next. I just I I, I can't believe that Iowa has two first round tight ends. Oh yeah, it's just like I, 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 it's amazing because I just you don't. I have them both in the top sixteen. Hear about this? Like it's yeah. the, they're it's the new tight end. You the new Stanford Kittle, Dallas Clark back in the day. Ooh. And it wasn't that they had a bad year, but you didn't hear about these guys at all. Colleges have tough times using tight ends yeah, the way system. the NFL does. I mean, it was when I covered Alabama. That I think I wrote like ten stories on how does Alabama get OJ Howard the ball more? Like they just, yeah. it's just, it's tough to like work them into the offense with all the other stuff you're doing there and, and getting touches to so many guys. And those are two coaches who come from the same tree. You know, Ferentz and Saban both work together here in Cleveland, and and they both run semi similar offenses. And and it's just a, it's a matter of it. They run an offense that you'd recognize in 1994 in the NFL, but not now. Yeah. On to pick 10 we go. The Denver Broncos clearly in need of offensive line help based on the four of us. Uh, Gribbs and Gibbs, both with Jonah Williams. Zagura and Shook, Jawan Taylor. Need some help uh, protecting one Joseph Flacco. Yes, I also think uh, Drew Locke could be in play here because there was a lot of people talking about how infatuated John Elway is with Drew Locke, which would – That's almost too perfect, I think. His, dra- his track record is not great. Yeah, that's true. I just have to say, after Haskins, after Murray, should any of these quarterbacks be first-round picks? I know that I know. There was... someone will be because someone will come up, someone will get desperate, someone will think, I've got to get a quarterback. Are any of these guys first-round uh, talents? It wouldn't surprise me. Let me throw this out there. It would not surprise me if Daniel Jones ends up on the Giants somehow because there are a lot of people that oh. have been kind of making that connection. I don't know if that means they trade up from the second round back into the first or if they t- – some people think they might just take him at six. Like, what? The Cutcliffe connection. Eli Manning's actually mentoring this kid already. Yeah, We didn't mention that possibility earlier with the Giants when we all have the Haskins falling into that. What if they just don't pick Haskins or a quarterback at number six? Like Giants Possible. fans will just lose their minds. I will blow – my lid it's over it just off the top of my head done i'm out not your problem no. let's go browns <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but with with my pick with denver here i i look at jonah williams i put him in the same boat as an amari cooper pick of a few years ago and a uh who was the guy last year mike mcglinchy where for months you overthink it and try to rate all these guys above them even though these guys were clearly the best players in college i think he's the best tackle in the draft uh, just because his arms are a little short, I don't worry about that. He'll yep. be fine in Denver as a left tackle. Yep. Yeah, not too shabby. Denver, I think, will be happy with, with either one of those two. We'll say he could be a tackle. He could be a great guard. Who cares? He's going to be a starter. Remember, remember a long time. the debates we had about Amari Cooper versus Kevin White? Uh, oh, yeah. People really wanted Kevin White over Amari Cooper. That's yeah. painful. Yeah. Just overthink it sometimes. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. First, uh, first AFC North squad in the mock draft. It is the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock at pick number 11. Uh, Gribbs with Rashawn Gary. Zagura and Gibbs going Devin White, the inside linebacker. I love the use of the third person right now. I'm just going to keep doing it. I, I was crazy. committed to it, <laughs> so and then good. I just said, eh, I'm going to keep doing it. Gibbs, Gibbs my, this, yeah. guy, I know, this guy knows Zagura. Shook. He took uh, Devin White. <laughs> shook, shook with TJ Hawkinson. So three defensive players and an offensive player. Nick, I'll start with you. Okay, good. I yep. just don't want to be right about this at all. I don't want Devin Wright. Yeah, in our, I, if he's I, not on the Browns, I do not want him in our division. That guy is an absolute animal. And that's why Nick has him going I'm fifth gl- overall. I'm, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're using your bias in this situation. That's perfectly fine. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I go tight end here because I think that their song and dance with Tyler Eifert over these years and all the injuries, unfortunately, they suffered. I think it's about over. And I think they're going to look 
to take the next step at the position. They're going to take the best tight end available in this draft. Gribbs, Rashawn Gary, what to make of him out of the University of Michigan? Him and Ed Oliver both with the whole sitting out at certain points of the season and just not having a full body of work. Good combine workouts, but where do you see? He's a great player, and I I wish I could give you better analysis, but I also followed the Zagura line of thinking in this one, where I just don't want to see Devin White in the division. <laughs> uh, and I, but I just I wanted to get him to seventeen, but I literally I just couldn't, couldn't. do it. Yeah. So I at least took him out of the division, and I I just think the Bengals are probably with the way this draft is shaping up. I I could see them just going a defense because they. They need help in a lot of places, and there's really not many other good offensive players I think that would be worth it at that spot. Devin White, he's just a special, special player. I think we can all agree. Yeah. He's just like the AFC, the, the player you don't want seeing around the AFC. Like the no. players we've seen too often be on the Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers. Correct. Yeah. Don't, want him, yeah. don't want him there. No. All right, we move on to the Green Bay Packers at pick number 12. I like that we skipped the Dolphins. Forget them. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. No. My bad. I was it's jumping 13. ahead. We should skip them anyway. Easy. <laughs> My bet, sorry. There's they're tanking of, anyway. There's plenty of time here. They're yeah. tanking anyway. Is this a, well, we'll, we'll, get we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Green Bay with uh, with some needs. And Gribbs uh, with the Devin White pick, just so they're not in the AFC North. Uh, Rashawn Gary by Zagura. Uh, Noah Fant. I love that pick. Uh, the tight end, other tight end out of Iowa uh, going to Green Bay. And then uh, I had Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown. Go long. Andrew and Aaron Rodgers just throw the ball up there. I feel like that that could be something that I like it. That. That's that, fun. That could totally go a different direction. I think. But taking a look at the Packers, uh, Nick, no fan, pretty special player. It's just kind of weird as I look at the whole group here. All these picks make sense for the Packers, which is funny because a year ago it was a shocker that they kind of fell off in the way they did. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers' injury contributed to that, but. It kind of just hit me now that they do have multiple needs. Uh, I went with the tight end again, back-to-back Iowa tight ends at uh, 11 and 12 for a similar reason, except for this time, instead of trying and going, taking the one-year flyer on the hottest free agent tight end, you know, it didn't work with Martellus Bennett. Jimmy Graham's still there, but it's kind of eh. I think they're tired of that, and they finally invest in a young tight end and kind of get back to the way they used to develop their tight ends in Green Bay about a decade ago. I like it. I think he's a good fit for them. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I just gave him a, a Gary, you know, with teams playing, you don't worry about the front so much. The guy can rush the passer. He's a freak athlete and, and would help their defensive line. And I just think Brown is another weapon for Aaron Rodgers, who's on the clock in terms of being, I think we can all agree, starting on the downside of the career. And, I mean, not that he doesn't, won't put up great numbers, but you got to surround the guy with weapons at some point here. Uh, and a, a young uh, new head coach. They're staring down one Super Bowl in the Aaron Rodgers era pretty stoutly in the barrel right now. One is yeah. more than none, but it, it's not as many as he should as have. As you would have thought, right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no question about it. Pick number 13. Hey, guess who's on the clock? There we Zagura. go. The Dolphins. The Dolphins on the two-year tank. Yeah. Can we all agree that it's a two-year tank? You can't. You gave him a quarterback. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, is that the Trevor Lawrence tank? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Tank for tour, and then yeah. if not, the two-year tank for Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, exactly. That's, that's what I They're have They're tanking for a quarterback. Yeah. Even though I have them taking a quarterback, this is this is like <laughs> – Ignore this. Yeah, like a year from right. now. We're not no, that gonna, was that Gibbs guy you were talking about. This could be about. the Dolphins, but that could be the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. that, Drew Locke is the Ryan Tannehill of, of I think, that, this draft, except he doesn't have a receiver as a, or a background as right. a receiver. I mean, that, that they'd be going nowhere with that pick, but – 
you know, we're good. We're good. You got to address the position of need. I understand. All good. I like to throw out yeah, a little, I like a little, little, curveball. little yeah. something yeah. different. It helps the Browns. Yeah. Get, get get a quarterback totally. off. Get get a defensive player one spot down. So we don't know who's going to play quarterback necessarily, whether it's Tannehill. We think it'll probably be Tannehill just because of his I Don't we cap. think he's going to be gone? I, he's gone. He's gonna be what gone, about the so. cap number? He's going to be gone. They're just going to eat that cap number. I don't know. I think they want to. New coach, new regime. To tank. Yeah, you can want to tank, but like, how much money? October, baby. You can tank. All right. You can tank. <laughs> you weren't here for that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys all think offensive line, the place that uh, Miami should really be focused on. Yeah, it's an area yeah, of yeah, well protection start building. October. Yeah. It's one of the five important positions. Yeah, yeah, Fill it, it and, yeah. and, and get moving forward. So that when you draft your quarterback, you already have a, a tackle. But I will be thrilled if when the Browns face the Dolphins that we are staring down a Drew Locke-led Dolphins oh, offense. I, I would be I would, Sign me up. Yeah, I'm all for it. It's a fantastic Sunday. Yeah. That is for sure. It's certainly not a Sunday night. No. <laughs> we we can all agree that is a 1 p.m. kick. <laughs> not prime time. No, yeah. not prime time. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons on the clock at pick number 14. Uh, and a player that we've seen mocked all over the board. Anywhere from, you know, early teens all the way into the 20s. Ed Oliver. The uh, the guy that literally has a bobblehead right here, here in front of it's us destiny. on the table. Uh, Gribbs and Nick Shook both going with Ed Oliver. And Gribbs, I'll start with you to state your case for Ed Oliver he, to he, Atlanta. He's a great player, and the Falcons would be fortunate to get him at the, at the 14th pick. They need a lot of help at a lot of different spots, which is crazy to think of a team that I've, we saw in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But I think they need some help uh, on defense, and could even there's just no offensive players that make sense there. Oliver... You figure out, you get him in your your program. Figure out what to do with him later. He's a good player. Yeah, I saw. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah talked about how a lot of people felt that Oliver was a defensive end who was being blocked on the interior because Houston was lining him up in the wrong spot. He's very <laughs> versatile. I think he can help them both in depth and and wherever they want to head with this defense in the future. No matter whether they tagged Grady Jarrett or not. No matter if they have Vic Beasley and them out there. I think he's a great player that could add to a defense <laughs> that really needed the help last year and was a main reason why they struggled. Rashawn Gary or Ed Oliver. Who could be the biggest headache for their respective team? I don't think Oliver's going to be a headache. Yeah, I think I think the Oliver thing was taken, stretched out of con- context and everything like that. I think he he's hilarious based on what I heard from him at the combine, yes. and uh, I I think he's he's just he's a good player who's known he's a really good player for a long time. He's an aspiring op- entrepreneur in a unique way. Zagura, you have Brian Burns, defensive end. Now here's a guy that uh, I know in Todd McShay's mock, he has him going twenty nine. Yeah, but you have him going 14. Some people have him going early. Yeah. I think that they clearly, when they made the move last year to bring in Bruce Irvin, even though they had Beasley, who had a down year last year, only five sacks, and Tack McKinley, it said they wanted another pass rusher. Burns fits that bill. They can kick Beasley inside, which they started to do a little bit in the second half of the season. Uh, and you're gonna Grady Jarrett's gonna get paid a lot of money. I don't know if you put that much money into two interior defensive linemen. And then the third part of this is that I want Christian Wilkins and and Ed Oliver to be on the board 17. So <laughs> I went with Christian Wilkins just to throw a wrinkle into everything. So uh, seems likely. I keep talking myself in the fact though that would they, after paying Grady Jarrett that much, also take a second interior defensive lineman with that valuable of an asset? That, that's kind of what I struggle with too. This is actually the hardest pick for me to make in this entire mock, and but I, I feel like the Oliver pick and much like the Burns pick, they kind of fit because Atlanta but, loves the stun up front. They love the twist. They love to move their defensive line, and, and I, you have to have athletic guys to do that. And these are guys. Who aren't can do you that. thinking that by the time that 
you're got to pay at Oliver some significant money that it might be. If it's just I look, for at it as, I look at it as a very as a as a investment because it's a first round pick. Like it's a valuable asset. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you're still getting like. And by the way, I know you said McShay had him. Jeremiah had Burns going 14 to the Falcons. It's all so, over the map. That's so. He, hey, Jeremiah also had Ed Oliver in the 20s. Good. So great. <laughs> Pass the breath. Wilkins 19. Ed Oliver 21. Exactly. Can Sign we sign me up? All right. Can we this all agree maybe? that this Falcons pick could really set the table for where the Browns are going to go at 17. I know that you've got Washington and Carolina, you know, between the two, but Atlanta with similar needs, especially on the defensive front could kind of dictate where we end up going. I do think yeah. so. I think it uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's still too tough. Cause I, I don't, you guys have a couple of you have quarterbacks going to Washington at 15. I just, uh, that wouldn't make any sense to me. I, I get where it, where it makes sense, but I I don't. So I could see them also taking a defensive player that we would want Washington, at seventeen. Yeah, Washington and Carolina are just the unknowns. I think right now, and, and really a lot of this draft is. I mean, it's just really hard to kind just of look assemble. at the fact that none yep. of us are. I felt like it was a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. It's foreign territory for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we're used to having a pretty one pretty, one, pretty clear two, idea three, four. of what's going to happen here. But sometimes one and four. But with fifteen, I can just get started talking about. Why I don't think they're taking a quarterback. I I think they're one, they are oddly enamored with Colt McCoy and think he can get them through this this upcoming season if Alex Ma- Alex Smith can't play, which we don't think he will. Dude's leg was in but, trash. But two, are you really gonna make this franchise changing pick and really put all your eggs in the basket of a quarterback you're taking fifteenth? I, I just I, I can't get on board with that. In an underwhelming quarterback class, I just think that Washington, for some reason, probably thinks they're a piece or two away, even though they probably aren't, and are probably going to look for a starter right away. Well, we from the quarterback delegation say that you can sit this quarterback behind Colt McCoy if you so desire. That's right. And he can be your a guy great, beyond Alex Smith. Yeah, what a mentor. I mean, <laughs> what think, a about, guy. think about it, though, because you don't know where Alex Smith is health-wise. I mean, th- he, he might be done-done. We're not really sure yet. It's a long time until we figure out where he is. Colt McCoy is now, but this guy can be your guy of the future. I think a lot of it depends on what they learn about Alex Smith in the next month or two, but face it, he's not getting any younger either. Done. I could see them going for a quarterback. I could also see them train for Josh Rosen after Kyler Murray goes. Right, that would make more sense to me because at least you could like, think yeah. he's a better quarterback. I just than, gave him uh, put these a quarterback guys. in here. Zagura, right? by the way, had Drew Locke. Yeah. Shook had Daniel Jones. I had Ed Oliver. Gribble had Brian Burns. I don't think they will go interior defensive line because they took Jonathan Allen, what, two years ago? Yeah. I would, but they listen. They could do anything. They could uh, also take a receiver. I mean, McShay, yeah, McShay just had him take in Hollywood Brown. I think. I think they're still in the Antonio Brown sweepstakes too. There you go. Weird, weird moment for that franchise. It's just, it, it's just. I mean, that that injury was brutal. Yeah. Ugh. And devastating. It, and they weren't really lighting the world on fire offensively. No. To begin with. But I mean, you lose. If you think about it for that season, Darius Geis was supposed to be a centerpiece of their offense. Yep. He goes out before the season starts, and I know they have big plans for him this year, but he's out. Then all of a sudden, Alex Smith's down. Jordan Reed's always hurt. Dotson was hurt. Crowder was hurt. Dotson, Thompson yeah, was hurt. I mean, hurt. Dotson's been a disappointment. He's they've not all, a true one. They've all gotten hurt. In, in a year where the NFC East was, was ended ripe. up being up for grabs. It was right. I think they would have won the division if, if Smith was healthy. Yeah. Even with yeah. all that, those other injuries. I think that's yeah. possible. Yeah. All right, pick number 16, the pick before the Cleveland Browns, otherwise known as the Carolina Panthers pick. Gribbs, you had Juwan Taylor. Zagura, Noah Fant. Shook, Andre Dillard. Yours truly with TJ Hawkinson. 
Two tight ends, two offensive linemen. Carolina needing weapons and maybe to keep Cam Newton from lying on his back. I just think giving them a guy you've got, you know, Greg Olson, if he does come back, if he doesn't end up broadcasting, is near the end of his rope. It was obvious how important the tight end is to Cam Newton in that offense once he went out. So I got him a tight end that can run the field. He's fast and I think would fit nicely. It also gives him the flexibility with Olson to run a lot of two tight end sets, which is probably their best set right now because McCaffrey's kind of an extra receiver on the field even though he's a running back um, uh, they got the receiver DJ Moore who I like a lot I think that kid's going to be very good they probably need one more receiver to compliment him and then that's a pretty good offense with a d- good diversity and a lot of different ways they can hurt you so I thought Fant made a lot of sense get Cam Newton what he utilizes well and clearly the tight end when he has a good one he's very good and when he doesn't it hurt him last year yeah I think that's a good point I think it addresses I like that pick even though we, I didn't go that direction. I like but he was pick. off the board for you yeah, already. Right, You've already right, Green right. Bay snatched. I'm not going to take the third tight end in this class. We're going to go somewhere else. I don't else. even know who that is. Let's go. <laughs> so we go with the tackle. So, so we went all offense. Basically makes us feel good that you're, you're getting the player you want no matter what the Panthers do probably. Uh-huh. Yes, I like that. On to the Cleveland Browns. Finally, at pick 17, what, 1030 on draft night maybe? Probably. I think Didn't we hear 950? I thought that was awful early. I guess that's when the 17th pick was made last year. Okay. I think it's early. How, like many, it. how many teams are burning clock all the way down? It seems about right. I think what you're going to have a couple. We milked here. a lot of clock on, on number one. We might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let people think about it a little longer. All right. We'll go around the horn here. Gribbs, you have Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle, Clemson. Your thinking and your rationale well, I think at that point in the draft, he is simultaneously the best player available and also – the player who fills one of your biggest needs. I think interior pass rush is so much more important than it even used to be. Aaron Donald has been kind of a game changer in spurring that movement, but teams are getting the ball out quicker. You need to get to the quarterback the fastest path possible through the middle. You put him next to Larry Ogunjobi, suddenly you've got something really promising where both defensive tackles have the ability to rush the passer. Nick Shook, you also with Christian Wilkins here at pick number 17. I think Gribble had a great uh, summary there on how on this, and, and just from being at the Combine and standing at his podium and listening to the guy talk, and his teammates talk, they love him. His tape backs up you know, everything we think about him, and, and I thought he had a great personality, and he just seemed like a guy who's going to step in and be prepared to handle the job like a professional and like a guy who's wise beyond his years from day one. I think that's exactly who they could use at that position, and at number 17, I think they'd be getting a great pick. For both of you guys, Oliver is off the board. If Oliver and Wilkins were both on the board, what would you do? I'd probably take Oliver. Yeah, I'd agree. All right, so that was the situation I was confronted with. I mean, the bobblehead's been here. I feel like it's it's a sign. So let's go at Oliver. Come on. Come on down. Did, did you will? I'd be did fine with it, Oliver. Did you will your guy respectively to pick number 17? I'd be fine with Wilkins. I'd fine, I'm fine with any of this. This is all This all makes me happy. Byron Murphy, I mean, look, the good news is we have a guy pulling the trigger that I think we all have a lot of belief on. As Grib says, he's on a heater with his first pick in the draft, and you never walk away from a heater. So let's go. Yeah, I, I did go with Byron Murphy. Uh, Grib said, please don't tell me that you're not taking Wilkins or Oliver. They're gone. I said, no problem. I will come up with someone else for you. Uh, I, I just think defensive back is, is in play, Quarter. especially yep. for, uh, you know, it, 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 we saw great things from Denzel Ward, but you need a guy on the other side. And, and, you know, God forbid Denzel Ward gets a concussion again or has misses any time, you, you really don't miss a lot because you still have a shutdown corner on at least one side. <laughs> Ball hawker, smart, intelligent kid, I just think makes plays, and it could make a lot of sense for Dorsey. It's, the cornerback position is one of like the least 
plug and play friendly positions on the field when injuries hurt. Like you, you lose a guy and all of a sudden you are in trouble. Like yep. you get it, you get exposed in a big way. So I like that pick that you make there. I'll bring up this point though. If there's been a lot of debate on which Clemson defensive tackle should the Browns take at 17 between Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. Do you guys see any argument for the other guy for Dexter Lawrence at this spot in the draft? I'm a big fan of Wilkins. I think, again, like I say, I trust the man over there. It seems, again, this is just it seems that Wilkins has separated himself. Well, they're two different players. Right. I mean, the, you Lawrence want, is your Lawrence run stopper. Lawrence is a run stopper, and I think for me, you, when I hear John Dorsey, what he says is I want to have four pass rushers on the defensive line, so I want that style. And to me, that's Wilkins, that's an Ed Oliver. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But going back to the Murphy point, I think he's he's my top corner in this draft. I know some people have had Greedy Williams, uh, some other people have had DeAndre Baker. You know, who is it going to be in that group? I you know living in on the West Coast before I came here, I got to see a lot of Pac-12 football, which is it's kind of an experience. And I <laughs> got to see to a lot so of Washington. Great. Yeah, it, it's not anymore. <laughs> no. uh, but I got to see a lot of Washington football. And Murphy is a stud. Now they say he's a little small. He plays kind of like Denzel Ward does. He plays above his weight. He's put on some weight since he went to the combine and ran a little bit slower for you than people expected. But he is so natural, so fluid, and, and has a lot of the same traits that made Denzel Ward an attractive prospect. I'm not saying they're, same, they're the same player. They're two different guys. But I think he's probably got the fastest track to success in the NFL among those corners in this draft. I feel like Washington is the new like corner North Carolina in terms of NFL players that are highly drafted that is disproportionate to the success your program is having. Obviously, they went to the playoff a couple years ago, but it's just they should be doing more with these guys. They, they've got so right? many NFL guys that yes. keep coming out of there every you year. Would think. I also think that they suffer from a lack of conference strength because yeah. they're still a pretty decent. I mean, they're, in they're the really good. Game. It's just that they but, you, you don't hear much about. No. Like all of a sudden, yeah, they they just keep. I think they've got three or four guys in Jeremiah's top overall fifty. Yeah, I mean, this is a talented team, and these are good players. Need twenty two guys out there. I know. Yeah, fifty three. Their hearts out. That's right. Only two wide receivers, two tight ends, no running backs going, anywhere between two and three quarterbacks going. Hopefully four go. I mean, it's always possible. Hopefully. People, people lose their minds when it comes to the draft and look at that position. A lot, to, uh, a lot to get to and a lot to still uncover as we work our way toward the 2019 NFL Draft. Gentlemen, Mock Draft 1.0 in the books. Glorious. When should we do a second one, Gribbs? Uh, maybe, What's maybe a timetable? like three weeks before the draft, and okay. then we'll regroup right before the draft. Yeah. All right. I think After it, free agency, because free, free agency, agency is going to change is going to change needs. Yeah. All right. All right. That works for me. Gentlemen, a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Indeed, it was. Uh, Thank you. For Andrew Gribble, for Nathan Zagura, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. If you missed this podcast, if you want to hear any of the other episodes of the best podcast available, make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or go to wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoy them. Look forward to joining you next Thursday for the best podcast available.